Hey everybody, I just want to uh, drop in here before even the regular music starts up to say there are some swear words in this episode. Uh, Fabeku, who I uh, have on this episode, uh, did a wonderful job of restraining their uh, usual tendency to uh, to drop curse words, but nonetheless, uh, there there is some swearing in this episode. If this is something that bothers you, uh, please just do yourself and me a favor right now and just stop listening. Otherwise, carry on. installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts, or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, and download them all directly that way. So before we jump into this uh, next podcast, I want to talk briefly about a new project that I've been really getting some traction on. Uh, Myself and 77 other artists are collaboratively creating a tarot deck, and uh, we're going to uh, run this deck off and uh, sell it, and hopefully be able to give a whole big pile of money to uh, fund cancer research and, and basically kick cancer's butt. So, you know, we've got all the artists at this point, which is wonderful. I'm, I'm really honored by the people who are involved. But uh, we certainly need cheering section. And there's a variety of help uh, technologically and otherwise that we could also use to help this really big project uh, get nailed down. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in checking out, please go to thehermitslamp.com and click on Triumph of Life. Um, which is in the the headers at the top. Or if you're on Facebook and search for Triumph of Life, you will find the Facebook group and where you can join and uh, watch the deck be created and participate uh, by feedback or other levels of support, uh, which would be just wonderful. Um, So as I said, this deck should be out by June, um, at which point we're going to run off a thousand copies or maybe a bit more depending on interest and, uh, and fire those off. So stay in the loop. Um, please uh, check it out. And if it inspires you, I hope you'll support us uh, in this wonderful endeavor. Thanks. So welcome to another installment of the Hermit's Lamb podcast. I am here today with Fabeku Fatumiche, and uh, we're going to be discussing uh, looking for validity, looking for... Um, you know, lineage and, and what makes things valid. You know, the, my, my desire to this conversation came out of uh, uh, something I saw Richard Kaczynski, um, most notably known for his wonderful biography on Aleister Crowley, um, talking about on Facebook where he was talking about uh, esoteric occult orders and their search for authenticity through lineage and through maybe manufactured lineage or not. And I think that as uh, spiritual people and as um, you know, uh, tarot readers and other things, I think this issue of uh, authenticity, historical validity, and, and lineage and all these pieces, uh, 
you know, all fit together in some way. And Fabeku uh, talks a lot about these ideas in some of his work. And uh, I thought, what a great person to have this conversation with. So for people who might not know who you are, why don't you give us a quick introduction here? Yeah, cool. Uh, so, you know, basically the work that I do in the world, I, I work with uh, mostly creative entrepreneurs. Uh, I help them figure out how to uh, put their work out in the world in, in the way that works. And, and when I say works, I mean uh, makes money, obviously, but also feels good for them and it's coherent with who they are and how they work and how they want to show up in the world. And, um, you know, part of my background that really shapes my work because I've spent 25 years pretty deeply immersed in uh, shamanism and magical practice and all of that somehow gets woven into the weird mix of, of business consulting and marketing conversations. So, <laughs> Yeah. You know, one of the things that's always really interesting to me about these things is, um, you know, for myself, uh, I, I never, I never got permission to do anything in my life. You know, I mean, it, maybe it's, the, the lingering sort of punk rock DIY ethic, um, you know, or, or what have you. But, you know, I went to art school. I didn't really like it. Uh, I, I went and got a job working in the corporate world for a while. And they, uh, they found out I had an art background. So they offered to, like, mentor me in doing graphic design. So I did that. And then I quit and went you know, freelance and did that for a long time. And then I decided I didn't like that anymore. So then I left and started doing tarot reading. And, you know, I don't have any, any paperwork for any of these things. You know, there's no, there's no sort of uh, authority who's kind of granted me the, the, the ins for this. And I think that with creativity and with, with many of these things, that question of who am I to do this? Where's the, where's the authority, you know, is a really common question. So, you know, what do you, how do you suggest people look at that? Uh, yeah. So first of all, I get it. Uh, I have, you know, I, I don't have a, a degree in business at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we, we have that, that punk background in common and permission has never been, <laughs> never been particularly important to me. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think that, that, I think sometimes we, we undervalue life experience. I think we undervalue, uh, who we are innately. I think we undervalue the lineage piece and how that, in a lot of ways, contributes way more to what we do than any piece of paper or, or thumbs up from an outside authority. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to me how, you know, we, we show up with all of these things that we can bring to the table that really add something unique and special. But because somebody hasn't given us some official thumbs up, we somehow think that we're underqualified or we, we need to take yet another course or one more certification or, you know, get the nod from one more person. Uh, and, you know, I think, I think that's a big deal that, that, um, holds a lot of people back. And frankly, I think it's, I think it's uh, a search for validity, uh, in the wrong place, you know, unless you're a, a doctor or a lawyer, you know, I don't really think most of that stuff really matters all that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the the question of, you know, sort of learning, that we live in an interesting age, right? Because we can learn a lot from other people, you know? I, I, I haven't worked a lot with uh, a lot of mentors uh, in a direct way. I mean, I have some, but there are a lot of people who I listen to what they're saying, I think about it. I try it out and I, you know, and I accumulate experience, you know, and I think that there's a really uh, profound way in which that can be really, really helpful, you know, I mean, otherwise, we're always sort of pursuing the people who 
officially know are the the gatekeepers to these things, you know, and, and that's kind of that's kind of problematic as well, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's hugely problematic, and I think you know most of the people that I work with are people that have. Uh, I, I well, they've either done one of two things. They've never really given a shit about the gatekeeper thing to begin with, or uh, they've, they've tried to play that game and it just didn't work in the way that, that they were told it would. And so then I think a lot of them are left in this place of, so what now? You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've played the game, I've done the, I, I, I executed the plan, I did what people told me, and either it's not working or uh, I hate the way I feel about it. So what do I do? And I think that's that's what forces us to look to uh, alternate sources for uh, support and roots and, and uh, validity within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that there's also this sort of notion to me of, um, I mean, again, depending on, on what, what we're talking about, uh, mentorship and, and the idea of sort of learning from other people as opposed to sort of learning in a, a formal way. I, uh, I got a, an email from a grade 10 student asking if they could interview me about my career for a school project. And I was like, fantastic. How wonderful is that, right? And, uh, you know, they started asking me these questions and I'm like, huh, high school. What do I think of high school? I'm like, well, (laughs) so I I think they don't teach you how to think. I think that if you you focused on learning how to think and be autonomous, that would probably really serve you well in the way the world is. You know, I mean, you got to do high school probably and you got to, you know, whatever. But, you know, think that learning how to think for yourself and how to like really uh, analyze stuff. I think that's going to help you a lot more than just about anything else you're learning, you know, and they they were so excited by the conversation. Right. It was, it was really delightful. That's but, awesome. uh, you know, but it, it's one of those things, you know, there there's a sort of. Um, I mean, in the tarot world, right, because you read the cards as well, you know, the, this. uh this notion of like, what does, what does the card mean? You know? And you know, when we're we're looking for these sort of concrete anchorings of definition, it becomes so problematic because maybe there is, maybe there are answers to that question, but you know, in that and in life, it's such a, an open-ended set of possibilities that we've got to add in what context, in what way for you, for the world, for me, you know, well, yeah, and you know, I think that's that's one of the things that that uh, is really clear for me with the shamanic background that I have, you know, and that that's where I really struggle against the the conversations about, hey, I I, I saw a crow and I looked up in an animal dictionary and it said crow means this, and you know, I I, I I understand the pull toward things like that because it makes it easy and it seems like there's instant clarity, but. Uh, I think the challenge is, like you said, it is an open-ended thing. And what crow means to me isn't what crow means to you, probably. Mm-hmm. And if if I look at some outside source that says this is what crow means, then I might feel like I have clarity in the moment. But I think there's actually a pretty significant risk that I've missed what crow means to me. I've missed what the message is in my specific situation in that encounter. Uh, and I think I think that's a that's a pretty significant problem. You know, it's um, yeah. I think I think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that there there there's also a couple levels to this. You know, uh, both you and I have relationships to uh, sort of traditional uh, practices and traditional lineages. You know, and it's fascinating personally, and I'm curious to hear how this is for you too, to sort of uh, walk between these worlds where 
in my day to day life, in my business, in my my uh, personal relationship to to being a, a card reader, and, and you know all these things. Um, I mean, not anything goes because it's not quite right, but there's no there's no firm definition, um, and and answers are perpetually possibly subjective in some way. But when it comes to uh, more traditional, um, you know, practices and so on, the the answers are never subjective. You know, there's always a concrete definition, and I think that that's a, a fascinating um, position to be in, in in relationship to sort of the, these two real different worlds. You know, so how how do you bridge that? How do you find that for yourself? Yeah, uh, I think that's a really interesting question, and frankly, it's it's one of the biggest struggles that I've had in having a relationship with with the tradition. Uh, part of it, I love the structure, I love the the richness, I love the the fact that this this lineage and practice has been cultivated for thousands of years, and there's a there's a beauty and potency to that. Uh, and I also struggle with the fact that things are, uh, not as open-ended and there are very set ways of doing things and not doing things. And, uh, for me, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I've sort of been less active in the community at large because, uh, and I was, I was active for a long time, uh, and, and appreciated that. And, and I made a really clear decision that, uh, as long as I was participating in the community and in the tradition in that way, then I would I would follow those those structures in the tradition. I think that that's that's an appropriate and respectful thing to do. I think that you know I, I struggle with the idea that we can kind of pick and choose things that we like when we're talking about things like this. I don't I don't really think that that's the way to do it. Um, but at some point, I realized that I was feeling kind of pinned in in a way that uh, was becoming problematic for me in terms of my relationship with the tradition and the practice of it. Mm -hmm. And so, so rather than uh, you know push against it in a communal way, I just moved into a more private relationship with it. Where, uh, and I still mostly follow the, the the structures of the tradition, but I've made room for some other pieces of it that work for me. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think it's a balancing act. You know, I have uh, an enormous amount of respect for my elders and, and the tradition and, and uh, the practice of it. And uh, I really struggle with some of those really tightly defined pieces of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so out of curiosity, do you find that um, when, when I watch people who struggle with traditional things, you know, and when I reflect on my own struggles with it um, – for me, they fall into two categories, right? One, one is struggles that are to do with my nature, that I, um, that I'm looking that that perhaps it might be uh, a point of growth or a point of difficulty where where there's some nugget of my my ego that I I am just attached to in a, in a defining way, and then the others are um, uh, issues to do with uh, cultural difference, you right. know. Um, you know, I mean, uh, belonging to, you know, participating in, uh, you know, uh, Lukumi, you know, traditional West uh, Cuban, but West African traditions, there are notions of uh, gender orientation and other things that are that are complicated for me that I don't necessarily agree with um, the, the general viewpoint on, you know. And so I'm curious uh, sort of which which of those or if there was some other way in which you sort of struggled with those things if it's not too personal to put you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, and I think uh, my answer is both. Uh, yeah. I think that 
you know, my, my default orientation growing up was always fuck authority. I'm not doing this. You're not telling me what to do. Fuck you. I'm going to do it my way. Uh, and then suddenly you're in a, in a tradition where there's, there's elders and hierarchy and that's important and, and necessary to be respected. And, uh, for me, that was the growth point with that. You know, it was like, well, at some point, you know, you have to check that shit and, and, uh, pay, uh, appropriate respect to the people that you're learning from. And, uh, and, and that part was, was, uh, it, it, it was, that, that part was actually easier to me than, than I thought it would be. And it probably was just because of the point where I was at in my life. But, uh, and, and I totally uh, agree with the, the cultural difference piece. You know, I, I thought, I think I went into it for a long time thinking that, uh, if I just immersed myself deeply enough that I would, I would get some of these cultural things that seemed a little elusive to me. Uh, and then after a decade or so of that, I just realized that, you know, there's just some things I'm, I'm never going to be able to understand because I was not born as a part of that culture. And um, it, it's I, in some ways to me, pretending that I could really started to feel like this, this pretty significant act of arrogance. You know, mm. it's like, how the fuck could I possibly understand this stuff? I didn't I didn't grow up in this context and I can understand it through my lens, which at best is, you know, a couple steps removed and reinterpreted. But uh, some of the stuff is just it. It's um, it's not stuff that I will ever be able to understand in, in the way that somebody uh, born into that culture will. And so that was the piece that I had to let go, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and I think that that for me, I let it go because I respected the tradition so much. Not not because I didn't care, not because I didn't want to learn it, but because I really realized that, like I said, it felt like there was almost this arrogance that I could understand it. And so rather than then bring some some distorted version of it in under the guise of understanding some things I just had to let go of and say you know I don't get it I'm mm. just I'm probably never going to get it mm. yeah it's interesting um, you know I spent uh, I spent a long time uh, involved in the OTO right you know to change topics a little bit here right you know and uh, for people who might not know uh, the OTO is uh, one of uh, Alistair Crowley's uh, the orders that he ran during his lifetime. And, uh, you know, he really sort of shaped it towards his uh, theology and that kind of stuff. And, you know, as I went through, I was really looking for it to be um, something sort of uh, fraternal and magical and, uh, you know, in many ways uh, more Masonic in, in nature. And there, there was this piece that was uh, um, – that, that I felt was was foreign to it and didn't belong, which was this sort of religious aspect. And, um, you know, after after sort of being around it for a long time, I basically kind of reached this place where I was like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter what I think anymore. You know, again, with that, that notion of arrogance or the, the idea that I know better, um, you know, if I was running the show, I wouldn't include that. And, uh, you know, and... So, so it was one of the reasons why I left, you know, I was like, you know, I I don't ever really want to do this. I just, I'm not, I'm not on board for it. And obviously it's an important part of what's going on here in a way that I don't comprehend, you know? And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, there's a sort of real, I think it's a Western notion for sure that, uh, we should change, that we should be accommodated, that we should, you know, uh, that things could be, uh, turned into something that better suits us when, you know, I think that the role of, of, uh, you know, these traditional things and, and even these other, these other sort of more contemporary groups is not to be changed by, um, 
by by us, but for us to be changed by them, right? That's that Absolutely. alchemy piece, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, uh, yeah, I, I've seen that a lot in, in people approaching uh, traditional practice. I've seen people do that with shamanism. It's like there's some idea of, Oh, well, I don't like that. So, I, you know, I don't give a shit that it's been done for thousands of years. I'm just going to remix it into something else. And uh, I, I mean, I understand the, the impulse to do that. But I, I think that, uh, again, I think there's an arrogance to that. And I think in some ways you're kind of missing the point. And uh, if you don't really dig it that much, cool, then, you know, go do something else. But, um, yeah, this idea that we get to show up and, and repaint the walls of somebody else's house, I think uh, that, that's a little off. Mm-hmm. Yeah off <laughs> yeah well it's one of the things that that i find fascinating with the tarot world because there is this sort of um search for tradition or search for authenticity right and whoever you ask you know will say oh well you know this deck the deck they like is is the 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 true thing or you know whatever and and even often when people aren't trying to put it in that language or actively not putting it in that language you're still easily putting it in that language, you know, and it, it's fascinating to me to kind of watch this play out, you know, into debates about, um, you know, which which path, which deck, which whatever, you know, and and I mean, because ultimately the answer in this context is it doesn't really matter, you know. There, there's a point at which it stops being tarot, tarot and being some alternate form of divination, but even that kind of doesn't really matter, like as long as it's working, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think those questions uh, again when when it goes to to the whole legitimacy issue. I just to me those are the wrong questions. You know, I just I just think people are asking the wrong questions in that context because uh, who knows? I mean, it's just it's just everybody making shit up and and feeling overly confident in their position. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. So if someone's if someone's trucking along and and finds themselves sort of looking for legitimacy what what questions should they ask yeah you know i think to me that that brings me back to the idea of of personal lineage you know mm-hmm. i think that you have to look at and I, I again i think lineage is is context uh specific i think uh legitimacy is context specific and uh if you look at your own personal lineage if you look at the the people and events and forces and experiences and ideas that have that have shaped who you are and have led you to the to the point where you're at, uh, I think that's really the ultimate source of of uh, legitimacy because uh, you know my lineage is different than your lineage and so what's legitimate for me is different than what's legitimate for you and so uh, I really do think that it's a it's an incredibly subjective thing and. Uh, I think that's the problem. It's like we, it, and I think that it's mostly an, uh, an internal thing, you know, again, uh, but, but we place it externally and mm-hmm. somehow we expect that we're going to get a clear answer, uh, or a useful answer about what's legitimate from that way. And I, I just, I don't know how that's possible. I just, I can't see a way, uh, to do that, you know, unless again, we're talking about the context of some tradition where people decide what's legitimate and what's not. But, uh, outside of that, I think it, it has to be, uh, a completely internal process yeah and I, I think you know um when when you say subjective you don't mean arbitrary either right what you Not mean a, is absolutely. is personal right like my my tarot lineage includes my grandmother who didn't read cards but who bought me my first tarot deck when i was at the mall with her right that absolutely. so in that sense it's it's personal and independent from everybody else's sort of journey 
right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, the, you know, Joey Ramone is, is a big, big deal for me. It was a big influence on who I am and how I do what I do. And, uh, you know, he shaped the way that I do business. He shaped the way I do magic. He shaped the way I do everything. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's absolutely not arbitrary, but I think it's uh, intensely personal. Intense mm-hmm. to me, I think I think lineage is is one of the most personal uh, and intimate aspects of of who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, for for people who haven't explored it, um, you know, I, I've been uh, in part since I met Fabiku here. Um, I've been exploring it more and more myself. You know, and on the one hand, uh, I have some very direct lineages. You know, I can. In, in my in my religious practice, I can name my lineage going back to as far as is known, right? You know, um, you know, which is which is like you know a couple hundred years back. I can name these people, right? Um, you know, in in terms of my Western mystery lineages and those things, I can name those people and I can name those lineages as well. And those things are are great, but in some ways, those those lineages um, aren't instructional. Right? They they are they are um, they're the lineage of the permission to to work those specific traditions, right? They are they're like uh, you know it's like the idea of apostolic sense succession, right? You know that this light and this energy was handed from person to person to person, um, so that that light and that energy could be manifest in the world continuously. Whereas what what we're talking about here is this notion of um, personal lineage, you know. And so in my personal lineage, there are things like, um, you know, my, my good friend who I learned uh, counseling work with, you know, and whom I spent a lot of time um, counseling, exchanging, learning and studying under and the way in which they inform me, you know, they, they are, um, you know, the people like my grandmother who had this very specific uh, kind of thing. But, you know, for me, it's not Pamela Coleman Smith or even really Waite or, you know, some of these people around that specific deck because it's never, it's never, the Rider Waite deck has never been a thing for me in my life. It's always been a tangential deck that I've uh, studied, but kind of only because everybody else really likes it. So, you know, is that kind of a, the, a, a way to talk about this lineage that you're talking about? Is that- it is, yeah. You know, I think I think when we talk about the lineage around uh, religious practice or those pieces, to me, uh, I, I don't I don't feel uh, a personal shaping influence from that lineage, and that doesn't mean it's not important. I think it's profoundly important. I think that's a lineage of of respect and acknowledgement. It's a lineage that, that that we pay homage to, and we should pay homage to, and that's a totally appropriate thing. But. Uh, I don't feel personally shaped by that. Uh, on the other hand, when I look at my own personal lineage and, and the people and the places and experiences that have gotten me to where I am, they have a very direct uh, shaping effect on who I am and how I see the world and how I see myself and, and how I do what I do. And so I think that there, there, there are different kinds of lineages. And I think that one of the, the things that makes the personal lineage so potent is, is that shaping influence. You know, uh, I remember uh, a friend of mine's mom who uh, was into magic and, and tarot cards. And I remember finding a deck of cards on her shelf when I was nine or ten, along with magic books. And I was fascinated. That opened up an entire universe to me that I had no idea ever existed. I will never forget that experience. It directly shaped and changed who I am and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing today and how I'm doing it. And uh, yeah, I think I think it is important to recognize the the different types of lineages and and the the sort of roles or functions that they that they play for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and I think that 
the, the the lineages that come from from people are things that directly impact us, right? You know, my my godparents religiously directly impact me, you know, because I have a very personal relationship and because they're the ones who say, Andrew, you're being an idiot. Stop it, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe you're right. Um, but yeah, but the but the more abstract, distant stuff, you know, absolutely right. And uh, you know, I think that. The challenge that I see for people is, you know, lineage. Lineage is like a a, a tool for directing us towards where where we can go, right? Like it's almost like a it can be a compass, right? These are the it's a way of looking at the the constituent parts of our life in a way that can orientate us towards what we're well suited towards, right? You know, I mean, I I grew up with with. Uh, spirituality and, and and magic and all these things is an open-ended kind of possibility. You know, when I was 13 and I was like, I really want to go find a book by this guy, Alistair Crowley. And my mom took me to the psychic fair and I bought a book that, you know, I still don't know if I understand it, but uh, <laughs> you know, I spent a long time reading it over and over again. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that the, the, that stuff is super, super helpful. Right. Because, the minute we're trying to be like everybody else is the minute at which we've lost all our power or maybe, Absolutely. right? Like, I mean, it depends on how similar we are to those people. Yeah. You know, cause if, if I look back at my personal lineage, there's a lot of people that have uh, done things way outside of the box. They've created entire, entirely new structures, new things, new movements. Uh, they've been a pretty potent force in the world. There's been an element of, of overcoming obstacles and, and getting to a place where it's possible to do big things. And, uh, and it, it's full of a lineage of people that have never asked for permission. And so if, if I try to move in a direction that that's incoherent with that, uh, it's like, I'm, I'm off course, you know, because uh, to me, the, the lineage in some ways are, are sort of coordinates that we can use to point ourselves in a, in a clear, coherent direction. And if, if we ignore those coordinates and take a left when we should have taken a right, then, you know, we just end up in some weird place that is, uh, it's just not true and incoherent with us. And, you know, for me, I experienced that when, uh, I decided that, that getting a corporate job would be a smart thing to do. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I tried it for a while and, uh, I was, I was good at it and, uh, hated it and, uh, was a real pain in the ass for all of the management team. They hated my guts and, mm -hmm. Uh, at some point, I realized this this could not be less coherent with who I am. And for everybody's sake, I, I'm going to take my briefcase and go home now. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, the, the notion that we can be good at something and it can still be wrong for us, you know, I mean, I, I think that that is such a, you know, they should make banners for that and fly it around the city and be like, just because you're good at it doesn't mean you should be doing it, you know? Absolutely. Because right. there's lots of things that I, I've been good at or I'm capable of that bring me bring me no joy at all, Absolutely. right? Yes, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so if the lineage informs our direction, right, and if we're looking to kind of sort ourselves out and figure out where we're going – you know the other piece that I that I see as being really necessary, and and I don't even know that I have any answer as to to what this might be for other people, is so what keeps us in check then? You know, we're we're like we were talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, you and your relationship to the the structure and kind of pushing through that as a as a mode of growth to 
you know, reshape your, your, you know, rebellion to, well, why, why would I rebel against this? Cause I signed up for it, you know? Um, and that, that, that's a real, uh, lesson and an ego learning. What, what, what helps people with that? Where can people look for that? If they're, if they're even game to sort of challenge themselves in that way? Yeah. You know, I think to me, it, it comes down to the idea of, of devotion. You know, mm-hmm. what are you devoted to? And, uh, are your actions, uh, reflecting that devotion? Uh, you know, if you say you're devoted to a tradition and then want to say, fuck the structure, are you really devoted to it? If you say you're devoted to a person, uh, or relationship and you're not behaving in a way that's, that's coherent with that, are you really devoted to it? You know, mm-hmm. to me, I, I think devotion is, uh, when we're clear about what we're devoted to, I think that's what can, can shape our actions. It can determine what we're invested in. Uh, and I also think it's the thing that can can keep us in check and help us course correct when we've we've gotten sort of uh, across currents with that devotion. Um, you know, for me, anytime I'm in a place where I feel uh, something has gone sideways and I'm not sure why or how or what, I, I immediately bring it back to the devotion piece. What am I devoted to right now, and and what does that mean in terms of of what I'm doing, and and how do I need to shift what I'm doing so that it it reflects that devotion clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's a great way to put it. You know, I mean, for me, the the things that uh, uh, challenge me in my in my, but I am nonetheless devoted to are, you know, I've got a five and a seven year old, right? It's a perpetual challenge of my, you know, like yeah. you don't you don't want to be yelling at the mander? Why why are you raising your voice? I'm like, huh? All right, you know, and and you know, it, it's a it's a dance, right? It's always it's this dance between. Um, what's real and possible, what's, um, where we might be in 10 years that we can see and, and, you know, and and feel like we should be today. You know, there's many little traps that I think come up with that kind of stuff, but yeah, but by, by being devoted or reinvesting in, in what's important, you know, then, then, uh, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, the, the, the the other piece to that or another uh, another way to maybe say what you're getting at too is uh to not let ourselves off the hook for it right absolutely yeah you know i it's like uh for me um you know in the context there's a there's a relationship that i'm in somebody i care about enormously and uh when when challenges come up uh it's for me it's easy just to default to the old bullshit patterns the old bullshit ways of dealing with things that are never helpful and never useful. And for me, what, what saves me on a regular basis is coming back to that devotion and asking myself, so what does that mean? So how do I respond to what's going on? How do I show up? How am I available for what's happening? And, uh, the answer for that in this case is, is love more, you know, Mm -hmm. love more instead of doing this old bullshit stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, that sounds nice and fuzzy and whatever, but it's the hardest shit I've ever done. It, it, It is the hardest and most challenging and most alchemical and most terrifying and most amazing shit. But, um, yeah, it's, there's, there's nothing easy about it. That's, and you know, I think that's the thing about devotion. I think that, you know, it's a word that I think we can get kind of, uh, this, this romantic version of, and I don't, I don't think devotion is an easy thing. Uh, Uh I think, uh, excitement is easy. Uh, passion is easy, but you know, that's not devotion. Devotion is something way deeper than that. And I, I think that, that, when we when we really plug into what we're devoted to and try to work and live and be in a coherent way with that, uh, it's challenging because it will cause everything that's not 
coherent with that devotion to shake up and shake out. And there's, there's nothing fun or easy about that shit at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that being, being, being in the wrong places too really can highlight that. Right. You know, I mean, there, there's this, uh, you know, uh, the spiritual practice from, from my Western ceremonial days where you, uh, salute the sun at the different cardinal points, the quarters of the day, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's relatively simple. You know, people could memorize it in a couple of days and, you know, and be practicing it. And for years, years, I worked to try and hit all of those things all of the time. Right. And I think maybe over the course of a number of years, I, I got like a month where I got it right, you know, where I got it perfect. Um, but ostensibly this was my devotion, right? You know, this was something that I was very committed to and I committed a huge amount of time to it and other things. And, but there was something not quite right with those practices in me, you know, and, and that system and me, right. And, you know, and, and ultimately I, I left and did other things. And as I moved into, uh, working with the Orishas, for me, the devotion became nothing. It, you know, like, not that it's nothing. I mean, it, it's not, it's not always easy, but like the, the get up, get up and pray. It, it's, it's not a thing. You know, I, I, you know, I, I remember my godmother who is saying to me one day, she goes, she goes, I'd rather be late than leave without saying my morning prayers. And I'm like, yeah, it's exactly how I feel. Everything else needs to wait for this. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and having been with my partner for, you know, 18 years now, almost, you know, it's so it's a similar thing, you know, it's not always easy to keep that, but always coming back to that notion of, well, that's, that's all cool in the world, but, but these things, you know, and, and these little people and, you know, the shop that I run and, and my business, these things all come before many, many other things that, you know, man, I'd rather be at a patio drinking a beer, you know, <laughs> except that I wouldn't. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think devotion is a, is a, a great way to set priorities. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it makes things really, really clear. And, uh, I think that's important, especially now where everybody's running around and everything feels important and everything feels urgent and everybody's overscheduled and overextended and whatever. And uh, I think that one of the ways to find some some space in that is to bring it back to the devotion. And when when you're clear about that, like you said, your your priorities line up, and there's there's no doubt about what you do first and and what gets put behind that. And uh, it becomes, uh, yeah, I think the the choice becomes simple in those mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and it's such a, it's such a thing because, you know, I see so many people, you know, cause I, I mean, I, I work with a lot of people. I, I, I'm online. I watch people do stuff, you know, and I, I see a lot of people kind of, uh, running around looking for things, but never quite settling into the practice of it. You know, uh, uh, you know, I, I worked with, uh, the Toth deck and exclusively the Toth deck for like, 15 years before I bought another deck. I mean, I I had another one, which I never really liked that much, which lived on a shelf, you know, and this, this sort of pursuit of the newness all the time, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's problematic often, you know, I mean, it's always interesting to see what people are up to, but you know, how do we, how do we understand something if we don't devote our time to it? Right. If we don't build our practice with it. Yeah, you know, I think I think there's something to be said for immersion, and I, I think that uh, 
kind of the general direction that people are pointed these days, I think uh, immersion is a rare thing. You know, I think it's multitasking and kind of hit and run relationships to things. And uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how you grow roots in something that way. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I've spent over two decades practicing shamanism. I feel like I barely understand it. You know, I barely have, have any real understanding of it. And, I've been completely immersed in that for a long time. And, um, you know, yeah, I, th- I think sometimes that search for the new is is just a lack of clarity about who we are and what we want. I think some of it is is a fear around capacity. Do I have the capacity to immerse in something? And uh, some of it I just think is just a shitty habit, you know, mm-hmm. that just is just not useful. And, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't think it, it serves us very well at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always I'm always curious about um what what brings evolution, right? You know, what actually brings growth. You know, I, I uh I remember a couple of years back I was um I was looking back on, on what I was referring to at the the time as my successes and non successes with people over the course of a year. And uh and I was like, why is it that some of these people aren't aren't changing, you know? And so I, I did a whole series of podcasts on it. I I talked to a lot of uh, really well-known, you know, long, long experienced tarot readers about it. And, you know, in the end, there are no clear answers to that question. But I think that, um, I think that things like, like devotion, practice, and, and, and exploring sort of who you are and where you've come from and what's, what are the things that are most likely to bring you into alignment with that are, are really helpful, you know? And it's, you know, I mean, a great example of this is like, you know, just to highlight how I, I, I certainly don't have it all figured out. And, you know, a time where I really, really didn't have it figured out in some ways. Um, I, you know, after, after I was in a serious car accident when I was a teenager and stuff, I basically was like, screw religion. F you God, you know what? I was like, forget it. I don't, I don't want anything to do with any of this stuff. Right. But at the same time, I wanted to understand everything. So I read everything I could get my hands on philosophy, you know, science, uh, religion, everything, you know, I just like tore through books like a maniac cause I had time back then. And, um, you know, so years go by and I'm like, you know, and every now and then someone asks me, but isn't this kind of religious? I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a philosophical organization. This is whatever, right? And uh, so I'm like about a year into doing this 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 solar adoration uh, practice that I was talking about earlier, right? And, you know, I was having this conversation probably for like the umpteenth time with a friend of mine about, you know, what I didn't like about the, 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 the organization and, you know, whatever, complaining. And uh, he goes, but aren't you praying when you're when you're doing this four times a day? And I was like... Uh, uh, and and like honestly, I swear I stammered for like ten minutes, <laughs> and it just settled in. And then finally, I was like, "I guess I am." And and those recognitions of of what we need, right? Where we need yeah. something, but we call it by the wrong name, or we don't, you know, identify it properly. You know, I, I think that's uh, it's interesting. You know, for me, I wasn't raised religious, so I didn't know what religion could be. You know, to me, it was it was something that occasionally we went to when someone married, got married or died, you know. But other than that, it, I, I never saw it in life. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, I think I think that piece that you were talking about uh, in terms of the change and that that devotion and plugging into things that that align us. Uh, you know, I, I've seen the same thing. I mean, obviously, with my work, you know, it's in a business context. But you know, when I look at people that I work with, there's there's some and and uh, really the majority of people who change and things shift and and things go in an entirely different and really positive direction. And then there's another group of people where that doesn't happen. And uh, I'm always curious about that. I'm, I mean, personally and professionally, I'm curious about why change doesn't happen. And I've spent a lot of time looking at the differences between those two groups of people. And, you know, for me, there's a there's a practice that I teach that gets people plugged into to things that really line them up. And the, the fundamental difference between those two groups of people are the people that have had those changes and, and sustained those changes are people who have also sustained that practice. Mm. And the people that haven't, haven't. Yeah, and uh, that's that's really what drove home to me the point that these things, these devotions, these practices, whatever they are for us, these are the things that give us the capacity to make the changes that we want to make. And and at the same time, you know, they only work if we do them. Uh, knowing how to do them and not doing them, or sort of being half-heartedly devoted, you know, that doesn't do much. Uh, and so, in a lot of ways, I think that goes back to the immersion thing. The people that have experienced the changes. Uh, have immersed themselves in the practice and the people that haven't have not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think that, I think that at a certain point, um, I mean, uh, I I don't know about Malcolm Gladwell's theory, but the 10,000 hour thing, whether that's actually true or not, but at a certain point there certainly is an accumulation of hours, you know, like I know what I know about the Kabbalah because, I read a lot of books and had a lot of conversations with people about it, you know, and there is for many things, no getting around that. And I know, and, and sort of can relate energetically in the ways that I relate energetically because I spent so much time meditating and and doing other things. And, and, you know, and I know the cards because, you know, I've spent, you know, same thing, right? Like I I just, I mean, number one, I'm fortunate enough to get to read full time. And so I, I read for, you know, I spend hours and hours every week with the cards in random contexts. Um, and beyond that, you know, I've always been excited about them. So I've always kind of come back to them. You know, and I think that accumulating that time in the direction that you want is is ultimately, especially once you're once you're relatively sure it's the right direction, is the only way to, to get somewhere with it, right? It, it comes down to practice. It does. You know, somebody, somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, you know, are, are you ever – you know, because most of the way I work with people, there's no there's no blueprint, there's no outline. I, we just kind of show up and dive in and, and figure out where to go. And um, somebody asked me, do, you know, are you ever anxious about that? Are you afraid that somebody's going to show up with something you can't handle, you can't figure out? And uh, the reality is, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I, I, and and the, and and I don't say that from some you know I've got all the answers in some arrogant asshole place. It's not that at all. It's that uh, I, I've done this long enough that uh, I know how to navigate stuff. And if there's a question that comes up and we're unclear about, I know how to get us to a point of clarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason that I know that is because I've done this again and again and again. That it's that that accumulation thing that you're talking about. And to me, uh, that's what that's what alleviates the the anxiety or the fear around it. You know the the roots are well established, and I so I can trust that at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I often say to myself, uh, I mean, again, it doesn't happen so much these days, but um, you know, over the years, there, there are these points where I sit down and read for, you know, I'm, I'm nervous because of who I'm reading for, or you know, whatever, and I'm like, just trust the process. Your job is not to worry about the outcome. Your job is to, you know speak what the cards say and trust the process and keep focused on that and everything else will come from it. Yeah. So, 
Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Fantastic. Well, I want to really thank you for making the, the time to, to be with me today and have this conversation. And, um, yeah, if people want to come and uh, find you or uh, read more about what's, what you're doing and, and what you're about, and that, where, where's a good place for them to come and hunt you down online? Uh, yeah, they can find me uh, on my site, uh, fabaku.com. Uh, and I'm also uh, pretty active and accessible on Facebook. Those are those are the two best places to find me. Yeah. Nice. And and for uh, for people who are listening and not actually picking this up through the the website, uh, Fabeku spelled exactly like it sounds. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, if you understand Yoruban, um, uh, so it's spelled uh, F A B E K U, Fabeku. Right. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. So thanks again for listening. Uh, you can certainly sign up to listen to all of these podcasts on iTunes or on Stitcher. Uh, or certainly you can also sign up via RSS through my website, thehermitslamp.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think. If there are people you'd like to hear on this podcast, that would be wonderful. I'm always open to that idea. And, uh, you know, but do me a favor and don't send me any uh, marketing or, or hoping that I'm going to promo stuff. Uh, it's really not what this podcast is about. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.